I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter three, James chapter three. Are y'all hot? I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Finally got the cold nature people comfortable. And then all of us large ones demand that it be cooled down in here. Well, I'm preaching on hell today. So I turn them to turn the thermostat up. And let's get it cranked up in here. I was talking to Jesus yesterday. He said, be sure and tell y'all that he loved you. I told him, I said, I'll be seeing him tomorrow. I'll pass the word along. All righty. We're going to do something today. I've never done before. When I, these are my sermon books. I write my little messages out. Now, you see, in the old days, they'd say, well, if you was a real preacher, you wouldn't need notes. These are so we can get out of here within about an hour. I'd been here all day long floundering around if I couldn't stay on course. And when I'm done with them, I just throw them in the garbage. I don't keep stuff to repeat like that. I'm going to do something I've never done. We're going to repeat Wednesday night's message for this reason. I don't know that I have ever been as strongly impressed by the Holy Spirit. We have got to get this in people's lives. We've got to help people here. This is where we're getting hurt bad. So we're going to talk again today, a little, little different. We're going to talk today about the power of words and the impact that words have on our lives. Anybody here ever been hurt by words? You ever been blessed by words? All right, I want, I want us to learn today what the Spirit of God has to say about words and how we use them to get where we want to be in life, to get our families where they want to be in life. We've got to learn how to use words. I think we're living in a very reckless day today. Would anybody bear witness? There's too much talk going on in the land today. All right. Look at one verse in James chapter three, just a part of a verse, really. Verse five, the Bible says this. Look what Jesus says here. Even so, the tongue is a little member, James three, five, boast great things. And here's the part we want to look at. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. See the word see. What is God saying to you right there? I want you to see something. I want you to realize the power of the tongue. I want you to see how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now I can go in the woods, strike one match. You know, match is just that big. Strike one match, throw it down, burn 10,000 acres. And what he's talking about here is he said, what, anytime the Bible says, see, God is saying, I want you to get this. I want you to understand the power of words and the power of tongues to have an effect and to have a tremendous effect. And many of you could testify that that has happened before. How, how great a fire a little spark kindles. All right, what we're going to talk about today is the power of words on the human heart. The power of words on the human heart. We're going to talk primarily about how to help people, but I do want to throw in just a word because in this context, the power of words here, it's talking about how damaging the tongue can be. Has anybody here ever been hurt by something somebody said? I, I know men my age that have, I mean, they have been crippled emotionally all their lives by something their daddy said when they were young. I know girls that are ruined by their daddy's words. I know people that will never set foot in a church again because of something somebody said to them. I mean, that, as you, I think the enemy has just, I think he's destroying our land today by the words that are being poured out across the airways and in private. And we've got to get a handle on this thing. But it also, here's what we want to talk about today, the power of words to heal people. The power of words to touch people and bless people the power of words to encourage people and bring hope. All right, now I want to, let me teach you something from scripture here. If I have children and I want my children to grow up and do well and have a great life, guess how I'm going to get them there? What's the primary way you get your kids where you want them to be? Your words. If I want a great marriage and I want, this is where I want my marriage to be, I want it to be great. 
How do I get my marriage to greatness? What does the Bible teach? I do it with my lips. If I want a great relationship and I want great friends, guess how I get to great friendships? You, you build your life with words. I want you to look with me in verse four where the Bible teaches us that. Verse four, he gives two pictures. Verse four, look at ships. All right, let's, obviously he means here's an example from a ship. Look also at ships. They're so large, driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Get it? Now I fish around Moorhead City and you've got those 900 foot long, huge ships down there. And I ask them to move them out of the way because I'm wanting to fish on the port wall right there. And those great big ships, guess how they'll end up back in England or Europe or over here in North America? Guess how they get there? They're huge. I mean, they're three football fields long. Guess how they get there? Underneath that ship's a little tiny thing called a rudder. Can you hear what the Bible's saying in verse four? How do you get your life where you want it to be? What is the rudder of your life? Guess what? It's your tongue. It's your tongue. That's how you get where you want to be. If you want your kids to do well, you got to start right here and understand, I'll get them there with my tongue. Verse three says the same thing. You know, when he says something over and over, he's really trying to teach us something, isn't it? Let's read verse three. The Bible says this. Indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we what? We turn their whole body. All right, the last horse I had, his name was Sundown. He's huge, 1,400 pounds. He's buried in the side yard, got a granite marker just like grandma's. And he's buried there in my side yard. And he was huge. He was what you call a strong will. Strong, in, in the, it would say this takes an experienced rider because he had a mind of his own. If I wanted to turn right, he wanted to turn left. And, and, uh, but I'd make him turn right. Let me make an announcement. I don't care how cowboy you are, 1,400 pounds will whoop 200 pounds anytime it wants to. I don't care who, if you John Wayne, how do you get that big horse where I, how do I get him where I want him to be? What? Three ounces. The rudder that's in his mouth, it's the bit. What does the Bible teach you and I? Your life is where it is because you took it there with your tongue. Your family's where it is because you took it there with your tongue. Your marriage is what it is because of what you have spoken. Now listen to what the Lord said in verse five again. See, see the impact of our words. Well, we don't, we think that words are just something to be flung out there. What's the Bible teaching you and I hear? Words are very powerful and you use words to get where you want to be. And uh, I don't doubt that there's people in this room, all of us in this room. We really got some things we'd like to see happen. I want a great marriage. I want my kids to do well. I want my church to do it. I want my friends to make it. I want to make it. What's the Bible telling you, you and me here? Then learn how to use your tongue to get you there. Learn how to use your words to get you there. And this is the great lesson of the power of life and death that's in the tongue. Now, I've been taught this junk all my life and it's wrong. What is, what is the secret to using your tongue wisely? I've always been taught discipline. You ever heard this? Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Just bite you. I just bit my tongue. All you're going to get is a sore tongue. Grandma used to say, if you can't say something nice, so your grandma just like mine. Can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. But we've always talked about discipline. God says it's not discipline. You don't control your life by discipline. There's a secret to controlling the tongue and to using it wisely. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Let's see what he says about the tongue. See if you agree with Jesus on this. Isn't that funny? See if you agree with Jesus. Matthew chapter 12. This is one of the simplest truths that has some of the most profound weight behind it. 
All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what the Bible says here. Years ago, back when I used to drink heavy, before I was saved, um, once in a while somebody'd get drunk and they'd start running their mouth and somebody would excuse them. They'd say, well, that's the liquor talking. Let me make an announcement. Liquor can't speak. That wasn't the liquor talking. That was them talking. I think the liquor removed the filter. Can I get a witness? That's probably what happened was <clears throat> the liquor removed the inhibition. And uh, you say, how do you know that? Because I know what the Bible says about speech. And this is the simple truth about speech in Matthew 12, verse 34, where Jesus teaches us this. Matthew 12, 34, brood of vipers. This is not the part I want y'all to read. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? Watch these words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The word speaks is flings. Tell me why people say what they say according to that verse. Whatever's in your heart's coming out your mouth. If I squeeze an orange, what's coming out? No, don't say orange juice. What's coming out is whatever's in there. What if I put apple seeds and rammed them up in there? Now, see, people say, well, you, you made me do that. No, if you get squeezed, what came out is what was in you. God, this is good preaching. Whatever came out is what was in you. What does the Bible say? If I open my, let me tell you something. I can listen to your words and tell you what's in your heart. Now, I'm not talking about when you're practicing speech. But if you'll let me listen to you talk, I can tell you what's in your heart. So what's the key? Bite your tongue? No, the problem goes deeper in the tongue, doesn't it? What's the key? Heal the heart. Heal the heart and fill the heart. This is so simple, dear ones. Let me show you what Jesus said to do with my heart. Now, let me tell you what I want <clears throat> and you want. I want to speak. I want to spread life throughout this earth. I want my kids to have life. I want my kids to do better. I want them to be encouraged because I'm around. I want my sweetheart to do well. I want my friends to do well. I'm going to do it with my words, but I don't need to learn what to say. I got to do something down here. If this is the thing that puts the words out, I got to get something down here going on. Let me show you how to do it. John chapter seven. <clears throat> this is break your Bible in day. John chapter seven. Now, John chapter seven is where Jesus gives the simple. And this is his answer right here. John chapter seven is where Jesus shows us how to change people's lives with our words. Actually, this is just the, this is the simple secret of everything. John chapter seven. All right, John chapter seven, verse 37 says this. On that great day, the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and he said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. How many of you think he's talking about H2O? So what do I drink from Jesus? I, what is it I drink from Jesus? I come to Jesus, I let him speak to my heart. His word, he said, my words are rivers of living water. I let Jesus speak to my heart. All right, if I let him do that, what's going to happen to me? Look in verse 38. And then he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of what? What does it say? Living water. Actually, it reads life-giving water. Do you see what just happened right there? I come to Jesus. I let him speak to my heart, fill my heart with his goodness. And then everywhere I go, what flows out of me once he puts it in? Words of hope and love and encouragement and cheering folks and blessing people and having the answers. Tell me how this thing's supposed to work. Guard my tongue. No, what is it? You let Jesus fill you up and then out of your lips will come what he put into your heart. Amen. See how this works right here? Now guess what he's talking about here? We read verse 39. This he spoke of the spirit of God. I come to Jesus, I let him pour his spirit, his life, his love, his, his excitement inside of me. And then wherever I go, I just open my mouth and let her rip, tater chip. Just pour it right back out. Is this simple or what? 
All right. Jesus said this when he sent his boys out and when he sent me and you out, he said this. Freely you've received. Somebody finish it. Freely give. How many of you know you can't give what you ain't got no more and you can come back from where you ain't been? So is the secret to try or is it to drink? Just drink. Listen, you, you can be around somebody with a strong personality and without knowing it, they'll rub off on you and you'll start acting like them. My wife had to go out of the country one time and I told her before she left, she came back. I said, don't come back talking like them people. You just, it'll get on you. I've had friends move to a foreign country, New Jersey, and for long they came back and they, and they, didn't, they didn't even realize they talked like them. What did he say? Hang around Jesus, see if you don't start talking like him. You let him pour his life into your, see how easy this is. Let him pour his love, his hope, his life, his word into your heart. And you get around people. You don't have to think of what to say. Just open your mouth, doc. What does it say? Out of his innermost being, out of his heart will flow rivers of life. What does it do to people? It gives people life, life-giving water. This is what we're commissioned in the earth to do. This is, uh, this, can you see the obvious truth here? Let Jesus speak to you, then he'll speak through you. And this is how he created this thing to work. Matter of fact, it talks about only, the number one picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is a river. Of all the things it speaks of, because you know, I think we can picture God the Father. We see a, a real kind, older, dignified gentleman sitting on the throne. We can picture that. We see Jesus, because we see him walking all around in the Gospels and these pictures. Yeah, I got this white Jesus, I'm not sure what color he is. I'm, I don't know if he's white or not, since nobody from there was, but whatever. And you, got, you can see Jesus has the lamb, holding the lamb. We get a picture of him, but it's hard to picture the Holy Spirit. What's the picture of the Bible paints of him all through the scriptures? Old Testament, New Testament, a river. Last page of the Bible. And I saw a river flowing from the throne of God. And on each side were the trees with the leaves for the healing of the nation. Ezekiel 47 says, I saw a river flowing from the throne of God and wherever the river went, whatever it touched was healed and came to life. Get it? The spirit of God is a river that flows in the earth and every place it goes, it brings healing to people's lives. People go to church, get beat up and come out discouraged and depressed. Guess who wasn't there? The river was not there. That wasn't the Jesus of the Bible because Jesus said, if people walk with me, what comes out of them? You evil thing, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Boy, that makes me want to come alive. What did Jesus say? People who come to him, what's coming out of their mouths? Rivers of life-giving water. That's how you know it's him. And this is the commission. This is how we live right here. All righty. How many of you believe that we have, uh, is anybody here a follower of Jesus? Anybody in the balcony? Okay, I got three in the balcony here. Guess what followers of Jesus do? Now you cooking with gas? You follow him. You follow him. All right, I want, I want you to listen to what I'm fixing to teach here. I think religion has screwed this thing up so bad. You should be able to amen that for this reason. All I was taught when I, as a young man, all I was taught was you don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't smoke, you don't burp no more. Followers of Jesus, it's all about what you don't do. I don't believe that. I, I got a mannequin is a great Christian, if that's the case. Mannequin Christianity. I don't smoke, burp, nothing. It's not near as much what you don't do as it is what you do. To follow Jesus is to do something. Did Jesus come to earth and sit and not do nothing wrong for three years? 
What does it say about Jesus? Who went about everywhere doing good and healing everybody that was oppressed of the devil. Friend, the call on God's people is not just to refrain from evil. The call on God's people is to light your world. Speak life. The number one thing you and I are called to do, what's the number one thing we do? Speak life to the world. Speak life in the world. I want you to, all right, turn with me to Mark chapter 16 in case you've never seen this. Jesus comes to earth. He dies on a cross for my sins. I was a sinner. I was headed to hell. I was hopeless. There's nothing I could do. Jesus died on that cross on the wall back there, one like that, so that I could be saved from my sins. I had to trust him for salvation. I got saved it. I got born it again, whatever you want to call it. I came to Jesus. I met him. All right. And so what do I do now? Well, biggers just don't, no more Led Zeppelin. No more Boone's Farm. No more Jack Daniels. No more burping. That's got to be more to life than don't do nothing until I get back. So Jesus dies for me. He rises from the grave. Let me make an announcement. If you're going to follow a God, follow somebody and come out of their grave. So far, there's only one pulled that off. I remember years ago watching Shirley MacLaine standing on the beach in California, which I'm going to sell to the Russians. She's standing out there and she declares that she is God. I'll tell you what, you let them nail you to a cross, put you in a grave, let your enemies watch it. You walk out of that grave, we'll talk about it till then. Just shut up and go back to where you came from. You need a Jesus that can come out of the grave. And he rose from the grave and then he rose from the grave. He's going back to the right hand of the father till he makes a return trip to this earth. What did he say right before he left? What did he tell me and you to do? It's in Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, last thing he said, go into all the world and what? Speak. What does preach mean? Stand behind a pulpit. It just means speak. Now, what are we to speak? You ought to be ashamed of yourself hugging that woman you ain't married to. Is that what he told you to go say? Preach the what? What's the word gospel mean? Good news of the message of Jesus' salvation. Let me make an announcement. You get people saved, you won't have to worry about that stuff. Never mind. There's just three of us believe that. I'll get the rest of you believing that directly. What did Jesus tell his people to do? What did he say? Get out of the church, dude. And go speak life to people. Speak good news to people. What's the primary ministry? To speak life. I'm having to know the salt needs to get out of the shaker. The truth of the matter is I do more ministry in the Dollar General than I do inside the church. Dollar General, that's just where God hangs out waiting on people. You just, every time I go and I walk through the door and say, watch this. And lo and behold, I'll run into somebody. Something good will happen. I'm in there not long ago and I, a lady turns the aisle, sees me and she starts crying. I understand that. She said, I just prayed this morning. I said, if I could just talk to him, I believe you'd help me. And there I am. All you got, listen, if you want to help people, go to Dollar General. Just go stand in the beer section. Something good will happen. God will do something good if you'll just go there. But he said, get out and speak. All right, now we got a little problem going on in the church these days. It goes around this one pretty regularly. It's been this way for years and years. This problem with this fellow called the Holy Spirit. A lot of difficulty, a lot of confusion, a lot of people shaking and quaking and baking and all that stuff. And everybody's wanting to argue and fuss over the Holy Spirit. Can we let Jesus settle the issue? What happens when the Holy Spirit shows up? I saw a blinding light. Can we just read the Bible? Turn the page to Acts chapter one. Jesus said he's coming. When I leave, I'll send somebody back and the Holy Spirit of God will come 
and he will live inside of every believer. Listen, the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior, very God himself moves into your heart. The Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you. Listen to the scripture. Know you not that your body is the temple of the living God. Friend, God lives inside of you if you're a believer. Spirit of God's inside of there. And you hear all this stuff about, well, you'll do this and you'll do this and you'll do that. Why don't we just read what the Bible says? Acts chapter one is where, again, Jesus is, he's been resurrected. He's fixing to go back. And he says, here's the message before I leave. Here's what I want you to do. Acts 1, 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. How many of you believe there is a power of the Holy Spirit in the earth today? How many of you said Jesus would give it to you? Can you say he said, I'll give it to you? All right, question, question. Once we get that power, then what do we do? What does he say? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you shall shake and quake and bake until it looks like, what did he say? You shall be what? You'll talk to people. What is the purpose of the Spirit of God coming in my life? To speak to people, to help people with my words. Don't you remember he said this river would flow out of us? Now we won't read it. You can turn the page. He actually came in Acts chapter two. And when he came, what's the first thing the people did? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What'd they do? How is it that we hear every one of you speaking in our own language, the great things of God? They just brought good news to the people. Dear ones, this world needs a good word. People need a word of hope. They need a word of encouragement. They need a word of life. They need to, they need to see the light. Guess who God's going to, God's going to speak to them. God's going to speak to them all dressed up in you. Amen. Jesus walked on the earth for three years, showed us how to do it. Went back to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, put him in you and said, now go show them what Jesus looks like. But the, let me say this. The primary way we help people is by the way we speak to them. The primary way we help people is by the way we speak to them. Now, let me go on this a little further here. I've had people say, I didn't say nothing wrong. I didn't say nothing wrong. I didn't say nothing wrong. You're missing the whole point, Bozo. I'm, I'm friend. Here's the deal. It's not that you didn't say nothing wrong. The problem is you didn't say nothing. This is sort of shocking to people. How many of you believe we're going to give an account for our lives when we stand before Jesus? Relax. It's, it's, he grades on a curve. And it's an open book test. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. I'm convinced from Scripture. Our regrets won't be because of what we said that was wrong. Our great regrets will be the things we could have said and didn't. Missed opportunities to speak life to somebody. That's going to be the great regret of life, isn't that? So Jesus said this. You just, this is our goal. It's not, it's not to try not to cuss. It is to speak life. I don't give you one verse that will change your world. And I've given this to people. And, and a lot of people will read it and say, amen, I believe that. But very few folks have ever actually practiced this verse. But I'm going to make this promise before God. You take this verse, you incorporate one verse into your life. It will change your emotions. I've seen people overcome depression by just practicing one verse. It'll change the way your children act. It'll change your, I've seen people change their home with one verse. Let's read it. It's in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. It's very simple. Don't, don't expect anything earth-shaking. How many of you know that the greatest things come simple from Jesus? Ephesians chapter 4. 
And again, I'm going to tell you something. You practice this verse and watch what it does in your house. Watch what it does in your personal life on the inside of you. Ephesians 4, 29. Now, before we read it, let me make an announcement. How many of you believe that God created us? Y'all believe God created us? How many of you believe he created your tongue? How many of you ever asked him why he put that thing in there? The Bible teaches us he doesn't create anything by mistake. Everything he creates has a purpose. Why did he give me my tongue? To break people's hearts? To, to fill the earth with garbage? Why did God give me my tongue? How many of you know we could look at Jesus and get an idea of the way he used his tongue? All right, it's in Ephesians 4.29. The Bible says this. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt or damaging word come out of your mouth, but only what is good for necessary. What? Edification. What's the word edification mean? It's the word building. If you see an edifice, you're looking at a building. Don't let any damaging word come out of your mouth, but only that which imparts edification, that it might impart what? Grace to the hearer. And what does it say? According to whatever they need at that moment. What did the Bible tell me and you do with our tongues right there? Don't, don't say anything that damages. Now listen to me. Let me correct something here. People say, well, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Let me say this. Who gives a rip? It's probably not the truth. It's probably a fact. Do you see in there where he said, don't even speak facts unless they impart life to people? Could you imagine if the only time I ever opened my mouth was to build people up? Think about it. Just think about it. You say, well, I couldn't say nothing. Yeah, that's my point. That's the whole point. Can I ask you a question? What would happen if a family would adopt that one verse in the, inside the house? What do you think would happen? Would that not be the greatest place on earth to live? Talk about you can't get your kids to come home. Do this in your house. They'll bring their friends with them. Our kids love to have their friends there. What would happen if a church would practice this? And we never opened our mouths unless it spoke life and built somebody up. Could you imagine? Listen, people are desperate for a good word today. What did he say? I gave you your tongue to speak life in the earth. Use it to speak life. Now, as I told you, this is a life-changing verse right here. It may be a little bit of a struggle. And if you don't want to do it, just do this. Pray about it. What are you going to ask him? I'm thinking about obeying you. You want to put some input on this? Pray about it. And listen, if, if that's too much for you to make a lifestyle change, how about three days? How about three days? I double dog dare you, which means this is an opportunity. I double dog dare you to take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and practice that verse right there. Watch what happens in your heart, your life, and your home. You'll have the best time. And, and, can I throw something else in? I'll enjoy being around you again. <laughs> Dear ones, the Bible is so practical, but what we need is not just hearers and cheerers. We need, I've, I've read that on a wall somewhere, something about doing what it says. All right, listen to me, dear ones. Why should we be careful about our words? And I'm going to teach you something you don't know probably here. Our words are open doors. And the Bible teaches you and I this. And maybe you believe there's a real enemy working in the earth today, a dark power, as the Bible said, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Who do you think is tearing up our homes today? Who do you think is damaging our nation today? Friend, there's a real dark power working in the earth today. Guess how he gets into believers' lives? How does the powers of hell get into a believer's life? Now, they start in their minds, but guess how they actually get in? Through their mouths. 
Listen to this. You are snared by the words of your lips. It is what I say that brings darkness into my life. I've seen people say things and I just cringe and think, you just put that on yourself. And, and it is through our lips. If I want to absolutely destroy my home, guess how I do it? With words. I want to make an announcement. Satan hates your marriage because it is a picture of Christ in his church. Marriage is the most sacred thing in this earth. He hates it. And I promise you, he wants to destroy it. Guess how he's going to destroy your marriage? He's going to use lips to do it. He's going to use words to do it. But let me say something else here. Guess how God gets into my life and works. Guess how I invite him into my home? Through my words. We won't take time to look at it. We'll be looking at it later. Mark chapter 11, verse 20 says this. Have faith in God. Whatever a man speaks, he will have. Now, how powerful are our words? Whatever I speak, that's what I'm going to have in my life. I've got to learn the power of this thing and to bring blessing in life with it. Here's what the scripture teaches in Psalm 107. He sent his word and healed them. We bring healing into people's lives with our words. Now, listen, um, I want to go back again to what the scripture had to say. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Everybody listen to me carefully. You can alter the trajectory of people's lives with one word. You can change people's lives with one word. Jesus changed my life with one word. You can alter people's lives with one word. I, uh, let me tell you what happened. I'm a, I'm a senior in high school years ago and I didn't know Jesus. I wasn't the best. I wasn't exactly a model student. And I was in the meeting in the principal's office one day and I got, uh, we had a fight. We had a riot at the school and it was pretty bad. And I got blamed for starting the thing. Now, whether I did or not, it's still to be debated. But anyway, I got to blame for it. And the principal, I had a meeting there, principal, assistant principal and all that mess. And, and uh, that was back before they had police officers in schools. And, and, and the principal blamed me and he said, well, we're going to suspend you for three weeks. Kick you out of school for three weeks. Well, I just, I didn't enjoy school anyway. And I just said, I'll just drop out. I'll just drop out. I'm sure inside he was singing the hallelujah chorus when he heard that I was dropping out of school. And he said, well, fine, do that then. So I just got up and walked out of his office. I mean, if I'm dropped out, then I'm just hanging around school. So I get up and walk out of his office. I'm walking down the hall and I felt a hand grab my elbow there and looked around, it was the assistant principal. And he said, come in here for a minute. I thought, you're going to chew me again? Did we not just go through this enough? And we're right beside his office. He pulled me inside of his office and he got inside and he closed the door and he got real close to me and said, listen, he said, it is important to me that you graduate. He said, I want to see you graduate. And I'll never forget it. He said, you could have been in a car wreck and missed three weeks of school. He said, you do your time out. And when you, you come back and you find me, I'll help you catch up and I'll help you graduate. I want you to graduate. First time in my life an adult ever spoke with concern to me. And when he said that, something happened right here. And I said, I will. And uh, I went, I came back. He helped me graduate, became a friend. He's a little rough on me, but he was nice. He, he helped me. He just helped me a lot. And I, gradu I graduated from high school. I know you find it hard to believe. I did. I graduated from high school. Number 723 in a class of 730, but I got out. Now you may ask, why was you that low? My question is, what were they, them under me? What were them seven doing that got down there? I graduated. I didn't see him but 40-some years later. At my mother's funeral, he was the undertaker. He got out of the high school business, education business, because you're dealing with dead stuff there, and he went over and started burying people. And he became, a, well, they call them funeral directors today. We used to call them undertakers years ago because they take you under. And he was undertaker. And uh, I saw him at my mother's funeral. He was running the funeral. And I said, you don't remember me? He said, oh, yes, I do. 
I remember you. And I said, you know, I graduated. I said, I went on to college. And not only went, I said, I graduated from college. And uh, then I revived him. I said, I graduated from college. And I said, I'm a preacher now. Then I really did have to revive him after that. And that was before the funeral. And normally they hang out in the lobby. He came and sat in the funeral. Listen, afterwards, your family said, I'm so proud of you. He said, son, you've done good. I said, if you hadn't turned me aside that day and spoken just a few words, I'd have never even graduated from high school. Dear ones, I want you to do that to somebody. I want you to see how great a forest, a little fire, can see the difference you could make in somebody's life with your words. How many times have I had somebody come say to me, say, you'll never know what that meant when you picked up the phone and called me. You'll never know what that meant when you wrote that note. You have no idea what it meant when you came over and talked to me that day. See the potential. See what God's put in front of you out there. See what he's put in your heart to speak to people. This world needs a word of hope. You're it. That's what followers of Jesus do. I got to tell you about a parable. He speaks to me in parables. I see parables all over the place. You know, he's spoken parables in the Bible. I think he still speaks today. I'm watching TV one night, watching the baseball game. And it's last year. I don't know if you remember this or not. There was a commercial for Nissan cars. And they had a guy and he was standing beside a road and he was holding a sign there. And he was holding it out where the people driving by could read the sign. And the sign said, the end is near. You know, wouldn't you just love to have lunch with somebody that thinks like that? So he's one of these depressed, defeated fellows that it's just, it's bad. Everything's bad in life. I think some people holding them signs up today. He said, the end is near. And he's watching these cars go by and he's standing and he's watching the cars go by and they're all looking at his sign. All of a sudden this brand new Nissan rolls by real slow and he watches that car go by. He goes, hmm, folds his sign up and throws it in the garbage can. Obvious message, man, if they're making cars like that, the end can't be near. There got to be some good in the earth now if they're making cars like that. I thought it was a dumb commercial, but I'm watching the thing. He speaks to me and he said, that's you right there. He said, so many people are so discouraged today and they've lost hope. I want you to drive by them. And when they drive by you, I want them to say, maybe the end's not near yet. Maybe there is hope for this family. Maybe God will listen. Maybe God will help me. I want you to be the guy that causes people to quit believing nothing good's going to happen and hear some good news. Jesus came to this earth. What's the first thing God said when he announced him? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for everybody. Guess what his folks ought to be doing? Have you seen how rotten it is out there? Have you seen what that hussy did? Did you hear what that hussy did? Have you seen how stupid them kids are today? That is not what we call good news of great joy. That is bad news that makes me want to puke, so knock it off. If my wife, years ago when I was a young preacher in another church, if I could have come in, if she could see in the spirit, she'd have said, how come you come home with vomit all over you all the time? I said, because that's what people do. They vomit on preachers. Listen, good news of great joy. See how great a forest a little fire can kindle. Let me quit by helping you overcome some obstacles. Now, I know some of you don't do as well as others. A few questions here. Number one, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like speaking good to people. Oh, my goodness. You don't have to feel like it to speak. Faith it until you make it. Not fake it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. How many, listen, dear ones, I don't, if I only, if I only preached when I felt good, y'all would be listening to music up here. We have got to get off this, I don't feel like it. Who gives a rip? A lot of you will get up and go to work in the morning. You won't feel like it, but you'll go anyway. Speak life. 
Number two, I hear this on occasion. Brother Brian, I can't help nobody. I'm lowering whale dung on the lowest part of the ocean myself. I need encouragement. Listen to me. Sow it and you will grow it. If you'll sow your, find your need and sow your seed. How many times have I not been that excited myself and I'll see somebody with a need or I'll call them or I'll see, I'll begin to talk to somebody and cheer them on and help them and speak life to them. And before long, I preach myself, plum happy. I don't know whether it did them any good or not. Dear ones, we got to quit waiting on something to happen and start sowing. Sow the seed when you have a need. Now, let me deal with the big one here. I'm scared to talk to people. I don't, I don't speak well. I get nervous in front of people. I, I don't, I'm scared to say anything. You ready? Y'all ready? Get over it. Get over it. I'm fixing to help you a whole lot. That's a, that's a fear and fear is a lie. Walk right into that wall and watch it crumble when you speak. You'd be surprised. I don't care if your knees are knocking together. When you sense, boy, I need to, I could help them, but I don't know what to say. You walk right through that thing and you'll go, that didn't hurt a bit. Matter of fact, we had a blast and it did good. We're going to be teaching in a couple of weeks on how to lead people to Jesus personally one-on-one. You say, oh, call the preacher. No, he said, go who? You. So I can never do something like that. Why not? Dear ones, if you'll walk right into it, you'll say, number one, that was the easiest thing I ever did. And I had a blast once I walked through it. Guess what you're going to find? Listen to me, listen to me. Fear is a lie. Walk into it and it'll disappear every time. It'll crumble when you walk into it. Let me throw one more in here and this is the fun one. I don't know what to say to people. I understand that. Listen to me. You don't have to know what to say. I don't. I'm going to show you one of the greatest promises and I want you to watch this happen in your life. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 10. I've seen this happen so many times. I want you to see this happen. Matthew chapter 10. This is one of the, I think this is one, of the, this is one of the greatest promises and one of the coolest miracles you'll ever see in your daily life. Now, a lot of times we don't know what to say to people to help them. A lot of times we don't, they don't even know what's wrong. A few weeks ago, it was about three weeks ago now, one of our young ladies was killed tragically, suddenly, 20-some years old, beautiful young girl. I head that way toward the house. What are you going to say? They don't teach you how to say stuff like that. They don't teach you what to say then and preach in school. If they did it, you can't just go in there and rattle something off. I want to help those people. Remember, that, that's a pain that most of us will never know. Horrible, agonizing pain. But I want to help those people. Well, what are you going to, you going to think something up to say? Guess what you do when you go in a house like that? Right before you go in, you, you just pray. Lord Jesus, I don't have anything to say. Speak through me. You got to speak through me. Watch what the Bible says here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. But when they deliver you up, watch these words. Do not worry about how or what you shall speak. What did the Bible just tell you? Don't worry about what you'll say. Don't think about what you're going to say. For it will be given you when... What's in that hour mean? When you open your mouth, he'll put something in it. It will be given you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you or through you. What a promise that is. Dear ones, if you'll just start talking to people, God will put something in your mouth and it'll help people. But what does the Bible teach you and I there? If he gives me something, I'll say it. That's not how it works, dear ones. When Simon was told, step over the edge of that boat, when did the water get hard? 
when he put his foot on it. It became concrete when he stepped out. Now, how many times have I seen this happen? Well, I'll be in a situation and I'm trying to help people and I, I, there's pain. I don't even know what to say or I need to say something. I went to see a fellow this past week. I didn't know what to say. How do you get there? What did the Bible say? Don't you worry about it. If you'll just start talking, I'll take over. And how many times have I seen that where I'd start out and not even know what to say and all of a sudden it was like a river way down here just started flowing out and you couldn't shut up. And it, was, and it helped people. Then was, you say, well, that, that's for preachers. No, who's that for? Every believer's got God inside of them. If with an honest heart that just wants to help people, open your mouth and he'll fill it. So the Bible said in Psalm, open your mouth, I will fill it. Now listen, I want you to experience this. I want you to know what it's like where you work. When you've got somebody outside of work situation, somebody that's suffering, I want you to say, I'm going to speak to them and try to help them. And you walk over and you, I don't know what to say. Open your mouth. Watch what he does. And you'll come back saying, only God could have said that right there. He has promised to fill your mouth every single time. Listen, more than they need to know that Jeroboam begat Rehoboam or maybe Rehoboam begat Jeroboam. I don't know. And I don't think anybody cares. Did that just change your world knowing that? You know what people really need? Where you work, that lady is trying to raise those three kids after Don Juan ran off on her. She really doesn't need to know that Rehoboam begat Jeroboam or any of the other Boam boys. What she needs to know is that God will help her in this situation. I'm not going to see her. Raise your right hand. You are ordained. Now every one of you is ministers. What did the Bible say? Open your mouth and speak to people and I will fill it. Help the people. And this is the promise of the Lord. I want to show you one more before we're done. I want you to pray this prayer every morning. I want you to start praying. God, put people in front of me I can talk to. Put people in front of me I can help. That's a good prayer right there. Let me show it to you. It's Colossians chapter four. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Dear ones, everywhere I look, people need help. People need a good word. Don't call the preacher. You are now ordained. Don't you remember just a minute ago? You're it. You're an able minister of the new covenant. Ephesians chapter four is a wonderful verse. All right, let's read this. Ephesians 4, 3, the Bible says this. Meanwhile, praying also for us, watch these words, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. What do you say right there? Say, Father, if somebody needs help today, put them in front of me. And you put the words in my mouth. I don't care if it's at work. I don't care if it's in a cafe. I don't care where it's at. But I want you to always learn to be sensitive to the people around you. And let me tell you what I've learned. If you'll practice this, you'll be able to watch people. And you just watch their faces. And you'll, something inside of you, you'll just know they need to hear something good. They need help. What did the Bible say? We want to pray. Listen, dear ones. Do not be so caught up in your little life. But there ain't nobody out there. It's just me. It's all about me. Don't be so caught up in our little lives that we don't realize the world is perishing and you are it. And look, I pray this prayer. Say, God, put people in front of me. And if it scares me to death, it'll be a good ride. Y'all need to become adrenaline junkies like me. We need to have a thrill in this life. And you just speak that word every place you go. Listen, Dollar General. Don't come to my Dollar General. I got it covered. Find your own Dollar General. 
I never go into Dollar General. I don't pray. Something, Lord Jesus, something good fixing to happen here. Somebody's going to need something in this place. And every place I go, people need a good word and to speak life to them. Aren't you ready? Don't walk by the kids in, this halls, in the halls of this church without saying something to them. And I don't mean, is that the best you can find to wear at your house? No, but I'm talking about saying to them. <laughs> speak life to them. All right, turn to the person beside you and say, you look like you've been working out. Oh, come back. I didn't mean for you to tell them how to do it. Come back. Come back. Can I ask you a question? Did that hurt? I actually felt pretty good, didn't it? Didn't it? Let's do it one more time. Turn to the person beside you and tell them, Jesus loves you. See how easy this is? Now turn back, tell them I'm trying. <laughs> Y'all are completely trained. All you need to do is just let it out, Pharaoh. See, see how great a forest a little fire can kindle. See the impact of just a few words spoken. Let it fly. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you today. It wasn't the restrictions that brought me to you. It was the love of God. It was the way you spoke to me that caused me to realize that man loves me. It was your words that brought me to you. It's your words that have submitted me to you forever. It's the words of hope and life and forgiveness and mercy and grace and compassion. It's your words that have drawn me to you. And in Jesus' name, you gave me this tongue. You didn't give me this tongue to break people's hearts. You didn't give me this tongue just to fill the airways with clutter. You gave me this tongue to do for people what you've done for me, to speak life to them. Thank you for every person that's here today. Lord Jesus, I pray corporate for all of us, put people in our paths and give us the touch of the Holy Spirit to recognize I could do something here. I could help these folks. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.